This morning I would ask you to make your way to the New Testament book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. And uh, we're going to be looking at uh, probably a, a, a well-known couple of verses or passage of Scripture, if you will, uh, to you. And we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter number 3. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. And we'll be looking this morning at verses 16 and 17. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Notice, Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. The title of the message this morning is The Importance of an Inspired Bible. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the time we might be in your house today. We thank you for your love and care for us. We thank you for salvation through Jesus Christ. Lord, as... Uh, as Timothy, we know you and we know Christ through your holy word, your inspired word. Lord, help us today as we think on this topic uh, to give you all praise, honor, and glory, to be grounded in your word. Lord, that we might know that we have a Bible that is free from error, a Bible that speaks of you and the way to know you. Lord, I ask today that you'd help us to embrace the reality of the importance of an inspired Bible and guide us that we might not only know that truth, but that we might live the truths that are your word. We thank you for what you've done. We look forward to what you'll yet do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The importance of an inspired Bible. Satan has always attacked God's word. Go back to the garden. God's word is often attacked in the most shocking places like churches. It is our duty as God's people to defend the Word and not destroy it. Now the inspiration of Scripture is one of those areas that is often attacked. Many profess their belief in the original autographs. But the original autographs no longer exist. In fact, they did not exist in the days of the Lord Jesus Christ, nor in the days in which Paul wrote what he wrote in 2 Timothy chapter number 3, verses 16 and 17. Now today, many focus on semantics and miss the larger issues. And so my question to you today is, do you have the inspired Word of God? And I, I say emphatically, I believe that we do, and I believe that we must. I believe that we must have the inspired Word of God in order to have a profitable, useful Bible. In fact, we might take our responsibility to defend God's Word more seriously if we saw the importance of an inspired Bible. So today, I want us to note tech, the text that uh, is the focus of our attention verses 16 and 17, and I want you to note that Paul reveals that he believed in his day that he had an inspired Bible. 
And I'll prove that to you. And he expounds on three reasons, three reasons that an inspired Bible is important. Here they are. First of all, inspiration is how the scriptures were provided. Secondly, inspired scripture is profitable. And thirdly, inspired scripture has a purpose. Three reasons that an inspired Bible is important, they're contained here in verses 16 and 17. So the first reason that an inspired Bible is important, it is that inspiration is how Scripture was provided. Notice verse 16. All Scripture, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Not every Scripture that is given by inspiration, but all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. So we find here, in Paul writing to Timothy, and I believe, revealing his belief that he had an inspired Bible, he says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. I want you to, I want you to think first of all, about the amount of inspiration. The amount of inspiration. What scripture is inspired? Answer. All scripture. All scripture is inspired. The word scripture there literally means holy writ or sacred writings. If it is scripture, it is inspired. Now that's important. It's a, that elementary truth is important. If it is Scripture, it is inspired. Do you have the Scriptures? If you say that, well, Paul is there obviously only talking about the original autographs, then what Jesus said about the Scriptures and what Paul writes about the Scriptures becomes null and void because they didn't have the original autographs. So if it is Scripture... It is inspired. Paul did not have the originals. But what he had, but what he had, he said was inspired. Now watch. We didn't read this, but look at verse number 15. Look at verse number 15. He's writing to Timothy, and we, we know this verse, right? And that from a child thou hast known what? The Holy Scriptures. Now wait a minute. When Timothy was a child, the original autographs didn't exist. They did not. What they had was copies of the autographs. So how could Paul say to Timothy that he has known the Holy Scriptures and it's only Scripture that is inspired? Paul is emphatically saying that he had the inspired Word of God. He said that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. Now, we're talking about how the, the, uh, the, an inspired Bible is important. What is it that is able to make one wise unto salvation? Scripture. And if it's Scripture, it's inspired. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And so Paul is emphatically writing that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, 
which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Jesus, as I mentioned earlier, did not have the originals. He did not have the original autographs. And yet he said famously, again, we're not really going over any verses that we're not familiar with this morning. He said famously in John 5 and verse number 39, in John 5 and verse number 39, search the what? The Scriptures. Search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Now how could they search the Scriptures if they didn't have the Scriptures? They had the Scriptures. They had copies of the originals that God had literally breathed the breath of God into and created the written Word. And so notice in this first reason why an inspired Bible is important It is important because inspiration is how the Scriptures were provided. Notice the amount inspired. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Notice, secondly, the approach to inspiration. The approach to inspiration. All Scripture is given by inspiration. The word theopadustos. Literally, God breathed. God gave the Word and move the writers of Scripture to write what they wrote. Turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter number 1. Notice 2 Peter chapter number 1. 2 Peter chapter number 1, verses 19 through 21. Watch the connection. We're talking about the importance of an inspired Bible. We're talking about the fact that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. If it is Scripture, it is inspired. Paul said he had the Scriptures. Jesus said he had the Scriptures, even though neither one of them had the original autographs. Now what does Peter write? Notice what Peter writes in 2 Peter chapter number 1, verses 19-21. through 21. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Peter has just gone through and described the transfiguration of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he saw it and he said, you know what? We have a more sure word of prophecy. You can rely on the word of God. You can rely on the Holy Scriptures. It's as if though God is literally speaking the words right now. That's reliable. Notice he says, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first that no prophecy of what? Of the Scripture. No prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. What was the approach to inspiration? God literally moved or borne along the writers of Holy Scripture. God impressed upon them to write what it is that He wanted written. We believe, I trust you believe, I emphatically believe in the verbal inspiration of Scripture. That every word is there for a purpose. That God intended every word. I don't believe in dynamic inspiration, which is thought for thought. And I've mentioned this before. When you believe in dynamic inspiration, then you leave it open to textual critics and scholars to say, well, this is the thought, so we can word it however we want. You know what happens when you get that kind of garbage? You get people saying that it wasn't David that killed uh, Goliath. 
you, or uh, it wasn't Goliath that David killed. You have uh, uh, interpretations or rather translations of Scripture that indicate that, well, it wasn't really Jesus Christ that was in the fiery furnace with the three Hebrew children and all other sorts of perversions and twistings of the Holy Scriptures. So we believe in the verbal inspiration that every word is there for a purpose. Uh, in the Syriac version, and remember the, the King James version, which I believe to be the inspired, infallible, and errant word of God, uh, it is our, our Bible in English. There are other versions and other languages that are the Word of God. And the Syriac version says this, that the Scriptures are written by the Spirit. The Ethiopic version says that the Scriptures came by the Spirit of God. And so we have that uh, fitting in perfectly with what Peter writes in that holy men of God spake as they were moved or borne along by the Holy Ghost. It's God's approach to Scripture. God gave the Word. This is God's Word. It is not my Word. It is not your Word. It is God's Word. God gave the Word. Inspiration is how Scripture was provided. That's why an inspired Bible is important. We see the amount inspired all Scripture. We see the approach to inspiration. It's given by inspiration. And then notice thirdly, the author of this inspired Bible. It is God Himself. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Look up some phrases in Scripture sometime that would give you an indication that this is God's Word. In fact, just one phrase, Thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. That phrase, that exact phrase, is mentioned in 413 verses of Scripture. This is God's Word. Would today that instead of trying to cast doubt upon God's Word, we embraced and received God's Word as it truly is His Word. Paul commended the church at Thessalonica for this approach. Because in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2 and verse number 13, Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica, and he wrote, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing. Because when ye received the Word of God, which ye heard of us. Now wait a minute. How did they receive the Word of God from Paul when Paul didn't have the original autographs? It was God's Word then. It is God's Word now. And so he says, uh, he writes to the church at Thessalonica, he says, When ye received the Word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the Word of men, but as it is in truth, the Word of God. Why is an inspired Bible important? Listen to the last part of verse number 13. Which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Do you know that an inspired Bible effectually works in the hearts of believers? Do you have the Word of God? Do you have Scripture? Do you have an inspired Word of God? Now here's where I say we get into semantics. You know, and we say, well, well, only the originals were God-breathed. And I'll give you that point. But if the originals were God-breathed, and God said time and time again in Scripture that His Word would stand forever. In fact, on the front of your uh, bulletins, Isaiah chapter 40 and verse number 8, The grass withereth and the flower fadeth, but the Word of our God shall stand forever. 
Jesus said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Time and again we find the Holy Scriptures giving us an indication that God's Word is preserved forever. Do you have an error-free Bible or not? Is there an error-free Bible to be found today? Because if there is not an error-free Bible that can be found today, you and I are wasting our time. You don't know if my opinion is right, your opinion is right, or Joel Osteen's opinion is right. But you know what we have today? We have a Bible that is free from error. It is a faithful and reliable translation of God's inspired Word. Now let me ask you this. God created you how many times? You were born once. Now, are there any photos of you that exist anywhere today? I would presume there are. When you are gone, and somebody looks at a photo and says, Man, that's Jim Johnson. That's Steve Harris. Does that make that any less a reliable facsimile of who you are? If that photo is a faithful photo, if you stand right there today and I take a photo of you with my phone, is that not you? Well, wait a minute, that's not really you. God only made you once. So this idea that, well, God, God inspired the originals and the originals no longer exist and so we can't have a Bible that's free from error, I reject that. I refuse to accept that we don't have a Bible free from error because if we don't, I'm going home. I have nothing to base my faith upon. If God inspired His Word, He surely preserved it. He surely preserved it. And the doctrines of inspiration and preservation are twin doctrines and they go together. David Otis Fuller, who wrote so many outstanding scholarly works on the veracity and truthfulness of God's Word. David Otis Fuller wrote this in 1978. He wrote this. We as evangelicals believe the Bible to be the verbally inspired Word of God. In 1978, David Otis Fuller believed he had an inspired Bible. We believe the Bible to be the verbally inspired Word of God inerrant, namely without error. Then we ask, is there one version extant among the multiplicity of versions which is without error today? If there is not, then we worship a God who is either careless or impotent to keep His Word pure through the ages. How can we say we believe in the inerrancy of the Word of God and yet say there are errors in every translation? What a wise man. What a, and I don't say this far from it, but, but what a simple statement that many people don't think about today. Well, you know, I'm partial to the NASV. Or I prefer the ESV. Could I just be blunt this morning? I don't really care what you're partial to or what, what you favor. Where is God's inerrant word? Because I'm going to tell you this. They all can't be inerrant because they don't all agree. Remember one evening years ago, I brought a, a, a copy of the NIV, the non-inspired version. And I read verses from the New Testament and I passed that Bible around 
uh, I say Bible, that, that what is purported to be a Bible, I believe it's a perversion of a Bible. And I said, okay, read this verse. And you couldn't read it because it was totally taken out of the New Testament. Beloved, we need to get this right today. Do we or do we not have a Bible that is free from error? We better because if we don't, we might as well go home. There is the importance of an inspired Bible. Why so? Why is an inspired Bible important? Because inspiration is how Scripture was provided. Notice, secondly, an inspired Bible is important because inspired Scripture is profitable. Let me rephrase that. Inspired Scripture is the only item that is profitable. My words that I speak are not inspired by God. And I am, I am very capable of speaking something that is error or that contains error. You know who is not capable of that? God. All Scripture is inspired by God. God is not capable of producing error. Notice uh, Paul writing to Timothy in our text verses. He writes, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. What is profitable? The Scriptures. What's inspired? The Scriptures. How many Scriptures? All Scriptures. What was able to make Timothy wise unto salvation? The Scriptures. How do you find the Lord Jesus Christ? You search the Scriptures. How do we know what the Gospel is? It's the Gospel according to what? The Scriptures. So don't try to tell me today that we don't have a Bible that is that, that is free from error. We, I believe today we have a Bible that was inspired by God, that was preserved, that is preserved by God, and as God is the author, it contains no errors. How much Scripture is profitable? All Scripture. If it's inspired, it's all profitable. That means that, you know what, when you read the Old Testament, perhaps you're not like me. And I get to like the book of... When's the last time you read the book of Joshua? Do you know that there are endless genealogies and this portion of the land was given to this tribe and this portion of the land was given to that tribe? Man, some of them like 62 verses in a chapter. And you're reading that and you're like, can I just get to the good stuff? Can I just get to the meat? Hey, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. All of those genealogies, all of those, those allocations of the land of Canaan, all of the, the instruments that are created in the tabernacle, down to the very detail of... The, take, for instance, the temple. How much the nails weighed in making the temple, it is all what? Profitable. Now, what's it profitable for? It's all useful. Notice, first of all, to show us what is right. What is right. He says, and is profitable for doctrine. God's Word is useful, first of all, because it is always right. Do you know that when you are in conflict with the Word of God, you're wrong. When I am in conflict with the Word of God, I am wrong. God's Word is always right. It is useful because it is always right. How about this? Don't just take my word for it. Psalm 119, verse 75. Psalm 119, verse 75. I know, O Lord, that Thy judgments are 
right, and that thou in faithfulness has afflicted me. How about Psalms 119, verse 128? Therefore I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. God's Word is useful. His inspired Word is useful. It is profitable because it is always right. And if it is always right, and it is God's Word, then God's Word ought to be taught to God's people. Notice Paul writes, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. The very word doctrine in the Greek literally means teaching, instruction, or how about this, precept. There are many churches today that have vacated the preaching of the Word of God. They think that line upon line and precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, that doesn't fly anymore. You've got to appeal to today's person uh, who says that they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we've got we to gotta dumb things down and we can't preach this old book because it doesn't appeal to people. And the problem is that it doesn't appeal to people because we have vacated our responsibility to defend the Word of God, not to destroy it. And we have vacated our responsibility of preaching and teaching the Word of God. What did Paul write to Timothy in his first letter? He wrote in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 13, Till I come, Give attendance. That word attendance means to hold the mind. Till I come, hold the mind to reading, to exhortation, and what? To doctrine. To doctrine. We need to be instructed from the Word of God. We need to be taught the Word of God. You know why? Because that is profitable as to let us know what is right. What is right. How can you know what is right when you're not in the Word? I was having this discussion with Darlene today, and she, she gets tired of listening to me on a multiplicity of topics, but certainly on this, I say, you know, how can you not be in the Lord's house and be okay as a Christian? Like, how can you miss three services in a month? You're not being fed the Word. You don't know what is right. Many Christians don't have any idea what is right today because they are not faithful in God's house and they are not fed a steady diet of the Word of God. The inspired Bible is profitable for you to know what is right. Secondly, it is, it is profitable and useful not only for what is right, but also for reproof, and that is what is not right, or what is wrong? Notice he says in verse, he writes in verse 16, for reproof. For reproof. The word reproof literally means to call attention to for correction. Do you know that the word of God is what will reprove somebody? Your words may not be effective, but God can take his word and use it to, for, to, to show somebody what is wrong and thereby lead them. To correction. How about Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 12? For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Bible will get down into those inner crevices of your life that nobody knows about and show you that what you are doing and what you are thinking and how you are operating, it is wrong. I can preach till I'm blue in the face to no avail. But God can take His holy, inspired Word 
and take a scripture and smack somebody right upside the head like a two by four and that word works down into the inner parts of discerner of the thoughts and marrows and you say oh my I'm, I'm in trouble I'm wrong I'm wrong Solomon wrote Proverbs chapter 6 verse 23 said for the commandment is a lamp and the law is light and reproofs of instruction are the way of life the clear implication is that the reproofs of instruction come from the word of God now let me say this as it relates to reproof and what is not right or what is what is wrong be careful not to go outside of God's word to define what is wrong there are many that have gone outside of God's word to define what is wrong stick to the holy scriptures they are sufficient they are God's word they are inspired by God and so notice scripture inspired scripture is profitable is useful for what is right for doctrine it is useful for reproof or what is not right, or what is wrong. And thirdly, it is useful for repair. And when I say repair, I mean how to get it right. Notice he says in verse 16 by way of writing, for correction. For correction. Many people many people don't think that they're doing anything wrong, thereby they don't need any correction. Well, that's where the Word of God will work in your life effectually to show you what is wrong and then how to get it right. How to get it right. The word correction, you'll love this definition. And it's literally from the Greek word that is translated correction. In our English Bible, it means to straighten up. You ever tell your kids when they were young, listen, straighten up right now. I can remember my dad telling me, straighten up. Straighten up, boy. Man, listen, you get told straighten up, you don't straighten up, you know something's coming. Straighten up. It means to straighten up, to write up. R-I-G-H-T, to write up, to restore. It is an improvement of life or character. It is how to get things right. The Bible is uh, good for how to get things right, how to be restored when we are uh, exposed as being wrong. How was David restored in his sin with Bathsheba? Now we're not going to go back for time's sake and read 2 Samuel chapter 11 and 2 Samuel chapter number 12. But I will let you know that after David's explicit, horrible, immoral sins, plural, in 2 Samuel chapter number 11, we go into 2 Samuel chapter number 12, you know David has not repented. It's almost as though David really doesn't think he did anything wrong. Now, of course, we know that I'm sure he did, but he's not, he's not confronting that. And then it takes a guy by the name of Nathan to come along and confront David. And what was Nathan doing in confronting David? You know what he was doing? He was delivering the Word of God. God told Nathan to go confront David. And when David is confronted and Nathan says, You are the man. You're the one that I'm talking about. And then Nathan, you can look it up and check me out and see if I'm right or wrong. Right after that, Nathan says, The Lord said. The Lord said. The Lord said, I made you king and I would have given you anything that you wanted and yet you despised me and my word. And then we know the setting. After that of Psalm 32 and Psalm 51, when David is smitten of God and chastened, and David says, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. What was David looking for? The Word of God to restore him. How are we restored? How do we know what to do when we have made a complete mess of things? 
Well, I'm going to pray, Pastor. Well, praise the Lord, you should pray. But you know what else you ought to do? You ought to get in the Word and see what God says. Oh, the king in Second Chronicles chapter 20 and verse number 12, uh, facing opposition. Turn over with me just quickly to Second Chronicles chapter number 20. And I've mentioned this before, Second Chronicles chapter number 20 and, and verse number 12. Jehoshaphat is, 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 he doesn't know what to do. God has allowed the enemies of Judah to come in and, 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 uh, and, and, and attack the people of God. And you know the history and story of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was not always right with God and made ungodly uh, affinities and, 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 and allies. And notice the result of what God allowed in the life of Israel and being attacked by multiple of their enemies in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse number 12. He prays, O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do. But our eyes are upon thee. How can your eyes be upon God if your eyes are not upon the Word of God? So many during the pandemic, so many Christians decided that they were going to act in a certain way. And by the way, I'm not talking about the government forcing you to get a vaccination or anything like that. You know I disagree with that. And I also understand that the government overstepped their bounds in multitudes of ways. But I also know that there were some things that we should have submitted to for, to be a good testimony to the Lord, and we just made our own decision. We didn't consult what the Word of God said. We didn't see what the Word of God said. We said, you know what, I'm not going to do this. It's like what we talked about with Brother Wilson. Which takes precedence for you, the Constitution or the Word of God? Because I'm going to tell you right now, the Word of God trumps the Constitution. And so you and I... When we are exposed as being wrong by the Word of God, we can only get things right by the Word of God. We can only get things repaired by the Word of God. And then lastly, notice, we're talking about inspired Scripture being profitable or useful. Notice, lastly, Paul writes to Timothy in verse 16, he says, it is profitable for instruction in righteousness. The word instruction, again, literally means to teach. And the word righteousness means integrity, equity, and virtue. This is how we keep things right. What is right? What is not right? How to get it right? How to keep it right? That's what Paul is saying. The inspired Word of God is profitable for. Whoever wrote the 119th Psalm, and there are many views as to who wrote that. Whoever wrote the 119th Psalm, Inspired by God wrote this in verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. What's the right way to go? How do you stay in the right way? How do you stay on the narrow road and, and, and be where God wants you to be? It isn't by looking all around you. It's by looking at the word of God and following what God's word tells you to do. Therefore, when it doesn't make any sense to you what is being preached, but you look at it and you say, well, that's what the Word of God says. You know what to do? You follow the Word of God. It doesn't make any sense that you should give liberally and graciously to the Lord through the New Testament church. It doesn't make any sense. How am I going to pay my bills? Trust God first. 
follow God's word. God will make sure that your bills are paid. doesn't make any sense that I should take a job that would allow me to be faithful in God's house when I can take this job over here and make much more money. A fool trusts in his own heart. Follow the word of God. Oh, I love Brother Spurgeon. You know I love Brother Spurgeon. And he wrote this in commenting in the treasury of David on Psalm 119 and verse 9. He says, How shall he become and remain practically holy? He is but a young man full of hot passions and poor in knowledge and experience. How shall he get right and keep right? Young man, the Bible must be your chart. And you must exercise great watchfulness that your way may be according to its direction." You must take heed to your daily life as well as study your Bible. And you must study your Bible that you may take heed to your daily life. With the greatest care a man will go astray if his map misleads him. But with the most accurate map he will lose his road if he does not take heed to it. How do you keep things... Man, in this world where there is temptation and, 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 and provoking and attacks of the enemy and attacks from the outside and attacks from the inside and the world just seems to be going crazy. How do we keep our way? How do we do what is right? An inspired Bible! It's the only way! How many times have people come to me for counsel? Oh, pastor, can you help me? I want to know what to do. Well, here's what the Bible says. Well, no, I don't want that. Well, they don't say that. But it's clear, you know. Some of them I've never seen again. <laughs> you know. Oh, pardon me for sharing the inspired Word of God with you. How many people have taken action, people that you know of that once were in this church, totally discarded the Bible is what the Bible says in how to deal with the problem. Some people have left this church and I've never heard from them since they left the church. Is that scriptural? Is that what the Bible says? The Bible is profitable. The inspired Bible is profitable for what is right. What ain't right. How to get it right and how to keep it right. You will do well in your Christian life if you follow the inspired Bible. Which I hope you think you have. I know I have an inspired Bible. A Bible that is free from error. Not one that God originally inspired and God breathed in. I don't believe that about the, the King James Version, but I believe it's the inerrant, infallible Word of God, and therefore it's the inspired Word of God. It's God's Word. If I didn't believe it was God's Word, you know what I'd do? I'd search for a translation that I did believe was God's Word. So, we're talking about the importance of inspired Scripture, an inspired Bible. Inspiration is how Scripture was provided. Inspired Scripture is profitable. And then lastly and quickly, notice in verse 17, inspired Scripture has a purpose. An inspired Bible has a purpose. Verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. For what reasons did God inspire His Word if He did not intend to preserve His Word for our benefit? Thus we get the twin doctrines of inspiration and preservation. God inspired His Word and He's preserved His Word, guess what? For our benefit. For our benefit. Notice that inspired 
Scripture or inspired Bible applies to the believer, that the man of God. Now, it does apply to others, does it not? But emphatically, Paul says, inspired Scripture is for the believer. That the man of God, and you know the word man is used in a generic sense there, much like mankind. That the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. What did the Lord say when he was tempted by Satan? Oh, just turn this stone into bread. Satan doesn't direct Christ. Christ did what? He responded back with Scripture. And here's the Scripture he responded with in Matthew 4.4. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That's inspiration. And how do we live? We live by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. We have every word that God intends for us to have. And so it applies to the believer. Secondly, we're talking about inspired Scripture having a purpose. It adorns the believer with all appropriate furnishings. We are adorned with all appropriate furnishings. Notice he says in verse 17, Uh, that the man of God may be perfect. It doesn't mean without sin. It means to be complete. The word is also indicative of being fresh. When you are downtrodden and the iron becomes blunt, you know what the word of God will do? It will give you a freshness. It completes you. The word here literally has reference to a special aptitude for given uses. God's Word is specifically designed for us. Pastors are given in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 12 for what? For the perfecting of the saints. Now how does the the preacher or the pastor perfect the saint? How does he equip the saint? How is the saint completely furnished through the ministry of the pastor? Only by the pastor's preaching of the inspired Bible. Only by the pastor's teaching of the inspired Bible. But he gave some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. Not that the saints would be without sin here in this life, but that they would be complete and furnished with what they need to live a godly, sanctified life here on this earth. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 2, Paul giving instruction to Timothy says, Preach the Word. What Word is that? The inspired Word. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering. Look at that this afternoon. And doctrine. Folks, that's how we are perfected. That's how we are furnished. You come in and say, Well, why is the why is the pastor preaching on this today? I don't know, but God knows. God knows what you need. God knows what I need. And as long as I'm sticking to the Word of God and giving you Bible, God can take that and use that. It's His Word. And then notice lastly, and we'll be done. Notice inspired Scripture has a purpose. It applies to the believer. It adorns the believer with all appropriate furnishings. And it affords the believer the ability to perform all good works. It affords the believer the ability to perform all good works. That the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. 
we are created, remember, according to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 10, we are, we are created by God as spiritual beings unto good works. Paul wrote to Titus that we're to be careful to maintain necessary works for useful purposes. We're to be those, if any, here on this earth that lead a good and profitable life in the sight of God to be us. We preached a couple weeks ago on being a good Christian and a good citizen. Man, listen, if you're not a good if you're not a good citizen, shame on your testimony. We ought to be good citizens. But we only know to be good citizens because the word of God instructs us that, that we're to be good citizens. Why isn't it okay to, you know, go and rent a rider truck and build this bomb and destroy the government because of all of the wickedness that's going on. Why isn't that okay? Now that sounds like an idiotic idiotic question. Well, Timothy McVeigh was purported to study his Bible. How do we know that that's not right? Because the inspired Word of God teaches us that we are to submit to authorities and powers that be of God unless we can no longer serve God. We ought to obey God rather than men. And so, an inspired Bible affords the believer the ability to perform all good works. In fact, you can't perform any good works without the Word of God. Paul writes, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. It's profitable. The Bible's profitable. Listen, man, I don't like to argue kind of funny because you know i'm an attorney criminal law you know trials and things like that uh okay i kind of like to argue there but but i don't i don't want to argue with anybody there's lots of things we can argue about but can we not agree that we've got a bible that's free of error this is god's word when i say man read this verse you say man that's god's word i don't need to worry about whether or not somebody's perverted that this is god's word I hope that we can agree on that. Because you know what? God's inspired Bible is profitable. Take everything that I've ever said and throw it out the door. Look at the Word of God. Search the Scriptures daily like the Bereans to see whether those things are so. Why? Because it's this Word that is profitable. Paul gave three reasons in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 that inspired Scripture is important. Inspiration is how Scripture was provided. Inspiration, uh, inspired Scripture is profitable. Inspired Scripture has a purpose. We need an inspired Bible. And I believe we have one. And God gets the honor and glory for that. Let's pray.